Three Times Lucky by Sheila Turnage. Chapter 8. Miss Lana. Mo, for heaven's sakes, she said, squeezing me tight. What's wrong? Where's the colonel? I pushed free, ran across the living room, and threw open the colonel's door. Colonel? His closet stood open, his shirts exactly three inches apart on the clothes bar. His shoes snapped to attention underneath. Olive drab blankets stretched tight across his empty bunk. Where is he? Gone, she said, dabbing cold cream from her face. Again? Now, I said. Gone where? I'm not sure, she said. I barely walked in before he rushed out, muttering something about offense and defense and taking the fight to the enemy. That man makes me so angry, I can't hear half of what he says. Some days I can barely see his lips move. Miss Lana, I said, there's a man at my window. I saw him too, Dale said. She looked from Dale to me. You're serious, she gasped. She shrugged into her robe as she rushed to my room. She checked my deadbolt, then hurried through the house, checking doors and windows. Dale and I trailed her like puppies. Everything's secure, she said, grabbing the phone, but better safe than sorry. Who are you calling? Dale asked. Not star, I hope, he whispered to me. Tinks Williams, she said. We have an agreement. I just hope. Hello? Tinks? It's Lana. I'm sorry to wake you, but we've seen someone at our window, and I wonder if you could... Thank you, dear, she said. Yes, I promise not to shoot. That's another rumor, the colonel started, that Miss Lana can shoot. He's on his way, she said, so let's settle down. She crossed to a large suitcase at the front door. Dale, she said, slipping her hand through the handle. Would you help me? Mo, she said, grab my valise and makeup case. We'll move me into my suite while we wait. Then I'll make some hot chocolate. Dale leaned against his end of the bag, his leg churning as he plowed it across the living room to Miss Lana's door. She clicked on a lamp, sending soft light across a large room overlooking the creek. I swung her valise onto the bench by her dresser. Thank heavens Cher travels well, she said, lifting her glossy black Cher wig from her bag and giving it a gentle shake. She opened her closet door. On the shelf sat four stark white mannequin heads, one wearing a Marilyn Monroe wig. Can you grab Ava Gardner and Jean Harlow sugar, she asked. I passed the wigs to Miss Lana, completing her Hollywood Through the Ages collection. Miss Lana has a flair for drama. Now she gave Dale a puzzled glance. Dale, she said, I'm glad to see you, but may I ask what you're doing in Moe's room at 3.45 a.m.? Nothing, he said, going shifty. Whatever you're thinking, I'm innocent. As I may have noted, Dale doesn't think well on his feet. Dale just now dropped by, I said quickly. We started a small business. Desperado Detective Agency. Dale's here to sort clues. Since school's out, we thought it would be okay. Plus, that's the kind of work ethic we got. I changed tack. I'm sorry you and the Colonel had a fight, and Miss Lana, I missed you. She kissed my face. Her kisses are soft as rose petals. I missed you too, sugar, she said. And for future reference, your summer curfew is 8 p.m. sharp. And the Colonel and I didn't have a fight exactly, she sighed. What is it with that man? Dale perched on the edge of her bed. What is it with the colonel? He said, that's a tough one. Dale's a sucker for rhetorical questions, especially Miss Alana's. Dale, I said sharply, we've worked on this. Oh, he said, his face falling. Rhetorical? I nodded and glanced outside. Where's Tinks? He'll be here, sugar, she said, eyeing her dresser. Where are my hairbrushes? Dale looked at me. Rhetorical? He whispered. No, I said, pointing to her makeup case. As Dale plundered the luggage, Miss Lana prattled on, a nervous habit. You were sleeping like a baby when I closed your door, she told me. The colonel asked me to sleep on the settee in case you needed me. 
That explained why nobody came when we screamed, Miss Lana sleeps like a sack of concrete. He didn't mention that you'd attack me with a bat, she added. I'm sorry, I thought you were dead, I explained. Miss Lana, did the colonel take the underbird? No, he left it here, for me. Why, I asked, you can't drive. Her smile flatlined. Miss Lana is the only adult in the county who can't drive, maybe on the entire planet. It's been a sore point with me since third grade when my teacher asked her to help carpool my class to the NC Aquarium near Moorhead. Regular mothers drove. Miss Lana borrowed grandmother Miss Lacey Thornton's Buick and hired a driver, Tinks Williams, in his navy blue Sunday suit. The colonel's on foot then, I said. Tracking the killer, maybe. She frowned. Tracking the killer? Surely Jesse's in custody, isn't he? Mr. Jesse? In custody? Miss Lana, I said. Exactly, what exactly did the colonel tell you about Mr. Jesse? She sailed a wide-brimmed hat toward her closet. Actually, he left a message with cousin Gideon, who sends his love, by the way. Gideon said Jesse was involved in a murder and you needed me. I hopped on the nearest greyhound. The colonel didn't say who Jesse killed, but my money's on a certain heavyset beauty who visits him every Tuesday, or her jealous husband. She looked at me. Selma Foster or Kingston? Jesse's girlfriend? Must be all over town by now. Mr. Jesse had a girlfriend? I stared at Dale, stunned. Gross, Dale said. Only thing is, Mr. Jesse's not the, uh... He stopped, panic spreading across his face like butter across warm toast. I sighed. Miss Lana, Mr. Jesse ain't the killer. He's the killee. Mr. Jesse's probably over in Greenville right now getting himself autopsied or funeralized. Someone killed Jesse, she said, the blood leaving her face. Why? We don't know yet, I said as a car pulled into the cafe parking lot. Miss Lana pushed the curtain aside. Two flashlight beams darted along our walk. Good. Tinks brought someone with him. You two stay put, she said, tying her robe. I'll talk with them. Then you can fill me in on the details of Jesse's. On the details. For a half hour, Tinks and Sam flooded our yard with light and checked for footprints. Nothing. As they drove away, Dale and I came clean about borrowing Mr. Jesse's boat, the reward, the murder, the underbird, and Detective Joe Starr. Miss Lana, that could have been the killer at my window, I said. Shouldn't we call Joe Starr? She shook her head. Starr doesn't need to know the colonel's gone. Besides, Tinks looked for footprints. There are none. I don't know what else anyone can do. She stretched, patted her curlers, and began carefully freeing her curls. Her hair looked sleepy and warm, like copper at sunset. Mo, she said, has anyone mentioned a memorial service for Jesse? No, ma'am. Mr. Jesse didn't go to church and didn't have a family. Well, he used to have a cousin, but he died. I guess you were his only friend. It looks like he's on his own in the eternal sense of things. No one's on their own in the eternal sense of things, Mo, she said. If no one else volunteers, we'll have the service at the cafe. A funeral for Mr. Jesse? I said. Do you think anybody will come? Murder's always standing room only, she said. Everybody will come, including probably the murderer. Hopefully Joe Starr will be grateful enough to ease up on the colonel. You can't seriously think Dale's a suspect, she said. But she may want to talk with Skeeter in the morning before she mentions her suspicions to Starr. Yes, ma'am, I said. I already made the appointment and I already got a plan. Wonderful, she said, glancing at her watch. You two need to sleep. Dale, you're welcome to the colonel's bunk. I hugged her, my head fitting neatly just beneath her chin. Her heart beat strong and sure, steadying my own. Thank you for coming home so quick, I said. 
I'll always come home to you, Mo, she said. You know that. Yes, ma'am. And I headed for bed, leaving my door ajar in case she needed me. Dear upstream mother, how are you? I'm fine, except Mr. Jesse's killer is on the loose and the colonel's out there stalking him like a borderline ninja. If you see the colonel, please ask him to call me so I know he's okay. We're throwing a funeral for Mr. Jesse. You're invited. I'll look for you there, just like I look for you everywhere. Last week in Kinston, a woman stared back at me and I thought it might be you. That night I dreamed my old dream again. In it, I'm standing by the creek. As I look across the black water, a flash catches my eye. A bottle bobs along at a slant, its cap glistening in the sun. Finally, my heart says. I splash into the creek and scoop it up. I open it and peer inside. A piece of paper curls there. I know it's a message from you. I shake the message out and unroll it in the dark water lapping against my knees. But the words blur, and I wake up before I can read it. It's a long shot, I know, but it could come true. Love, Mo. P.S. Do you have hair like mine? If so, I offer my condolences.